quarterback. We're a day late, but you know what? I had the foresight to do that because some massive news dropped this morning. But, you know, leave that to the side because there actually was some football played last weekend. Um, one, I thought, good game. I Honestly, I, I don't know how you feel, but I didn't think either game was really spectacular. Uh, we can get into the reasons why, but we'll start with the 49ers-Eagles game. Do you think if Purdy or Josh Johnson – stay healthy the whole game, the Niners win that game? Uh, no. Just because at the end of the game there, once they realized Purdy can throw, the Eagles just left the gas off the pedal and just ran the ball the rest of the game. So it's it's hard to tell. I know uh, that 49ers team got really deflated, but I think if, uh, if the 49ers kept it close, the Eagles probably would have turned on the gas pedal and scored a lot more points. Yeah, and I, I didn't watch it live because I was stressed out about the game that that's upcoming. But when I went back and rewatched it, I don't know why they kept Hurts in as long as they did, and it looked like he got his back hurt on one of those plays. But you're right; I, that game was hard to watch. It as soon as Brock Purdy got injured, Josh Johnson came in. They did score. McCaffrey did everything in his power to try and win that game. But the running game was just not going to be there because it was basically nine guys versus 11 on the Eagles' defense. Um, It's hard to glean anything from this game going into the Super Bowl, which we'll talk more about next week. But I didn't feel like amazing about the Eagles, but they also didn't have to bring their A game because they knew once Purdy went out and Josh Johnson got injured, what were you going to do? Just run wildcat with Debo and McCaffrey all day? Even then, they didn't practice that. Mm-hmm. And credit to Shanahan too, because even when Purdy can throw it, he he still schemed up some unique runs and was able to actually get a bunch of first downs. Which, I mean, moving the ball when a team's one dimensional is pretty impressive as itself. So that speaks a lot on Shanahan's system. Um, but yeah, I, I literally couldn't believe I was watching an NFC Championship game with Josh Johnson at quarterback. It very much reminded me of the Eagles and Vikings NFC Championship game way back when. You know, we, we talked about last week about blowouts and the championship games. And granted, 31-7 to is a huge score. But to me, it didn't really feel like it, which is weird. It didn't feel like the Eagles were going to pull away until, like, the third quarter. It was never in doubt that they were going to win in my eyes. But, like I said, I think if – Shoot, if they had just had Josh Johnson be healthy the whole game, that Niners could have at minimum kept it close. And I think you you brought it up because I, I see on Twitter and other places like Instagram or just the the, the shows, the, the sports shows. I don't think this hurts Shanahan's legacy. In fact, I think it enhances it. When you look back on this season, he had three starting, well, I guess four starting quarterbacks with, with Johnson in this game. The fact that he's been able to get to the NFC Championship game with Jimmy Garoppolo being his predominant starting quarterback three out of the last four years and got to the Super Bowl in one, I get that it speaks to the overall talent of that team, but the fact that he's been able to have such an amazing run game with quarterbacks that I don't think we'd say are top 15 
he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he should be a front runner for coach of the year, in my opinion. He he might even have my vote when we talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, how, how do you see Shanahan after this season? Oh, my opinion doesn't change on him. He's definitely a consensus top three coach in the NFL. Um, I mean, he he's, hasn't been dealt good hands at quarterback at all. And I know a lot of people want to ride the Purdy train going into the next season, but I, I can't wait to see a full season with Trey Lance um, just because he's never really had a quarterback to have that has that crazy athletic ability. So if we get a full season out of Trey Lance, I think the 49ers are going to be really scary next year and definitely a top coaching candidate, um, especially in terms of coach of the year this year and moving forward in the future. I'm with you. I don't think Brock Purdy starts for them next year. I think he'll be one of the better backups in the league, given what we saw from him. But I think it's Trey Lance's job to lose. Garoppolo's obviously not coming back. I don't see any way he does. His contract is up. And I'm with you. I think Nick Bosa's getting paid this coming year, which I mean, they're not paying a quarterback, so he might as well just go all out. I think they have, what, another – two years with Lance before they have to start thinking about paying him. Yeah, it's, just, it's Lance's second year. So after the third year, they can start looking at that. Um, yeah, like I said, we'll keep the Super Bowl talk to next week because we have two weeks in between. And don't worry, we're not talking about the Pro Bowl because, let's face it, Tyler Huntley is a uh, quarterback for the AFC. So I don't feel like talking about that. All right. Uh, did you have anything else for this game? There wasn't a whole lot to glean from once yeah. Purdy went out. I thought the game was a wash after that. Yeah, I think one of the most impressive things that I saw in that game is how good the Eagles' offensive line is. Like, Bo- like Bosa was getting stood up by Lane Johnson with a torn groin, and Hertz was cooking steaks back there. And I, I mean, as seeing the Seahawks play that team three times, just knowing how good that pass rush is, I just can't emphasize how impressive it was to watch that Eagles O-line just totally dominate by far the best defense in the NFL. Right, and and to your point, Hurts wasn't even that great on Sunday. Like, he was missing dudes deep, but he had all the time in the world. And I think with two weeks off, there there was – some news about an Eagles offensive lineman that we won't get into a whole lot, but uh, he won't be dressing for the Super Bowl, needless to say. But yeah, you're right. And I think going up against the Chiefs, you know, you got Chris Jones to worry about the most, but I think that I think this offensive line proved that it can go toe to toe with any defensive line in the league and will keep Hurts clean for the most part. All right, next game. Let's spend two minutes briefing about the refs. I don't know what the solution is with them at this point. We all know that they're terrible. Um, I get that it's one of the harder jobs in sports, but I always hate coming out of a game, much less a championship game in the playoffs, where the refs is a bullet point. Like The best thing you can ever talk about when it comes to refs is absolutely nothing. Like If you didn't notice them at all, you didn't feel like they were interjecting themselves, and I'd be saying this if it was the opposite. I mean, both teams got hosed on a couple of calls. I'm not going to go directly to the Osai uh, play at the end of the game because, let's face it, it is what it is. It, it was uh, unnecessary roughness. But the Chiefs beat the Bengals 23-20. to They're back in the Super Bowl. Mahomes five times hosting an AFC championship game. 
on one leg. Is he a top five quarterback of all time right now? Mm. I mean, I definitely have to think of that. I mean, at the top of my head, probably have Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Obviously, those are probably the consensus top two. Um, Would you have him over Rodgers or Favre? Because I think I have him over Favre. He he needs more time to get higher career stats. I think I know his resume is already good enough to go into the Hall of Fame, but oh yeah, I think he needs to have some longevity in turn stat wise in order to be considered a top five quarterback. Because there's been so many since the two thousands that we could go on about. Yeah, I I I was listening to a podcast uh, yesterday. Um, obviously, the guy was a massive Chiefs fan. So looking through that lens, but Mahomes pretty much paces per game first of all time in every major statistic in the playoffs, you know, touchdowns, passing yards, completions go on and on and on. He's first, he is stupid good. And the fact that people actually thought that the Raiders or the Broncos or the Chargers were going to knock them off the AFC West is absurd. Um, speak and with the picks, unfortunately, I got both picks right. It was my not the Super Bowl that I wanted to see personally, but I will be rooting for the Chiefs vehemently next week. Needless to say, um, I think what it came down to is the Chiefs did what they needed to do. The players who came, uh, first of all, I want to shout out the Chiefs punter because he is a maestro at punting, getting the ball to hit the turf before it goes out of bounds. He pinned the Bengals back so many times. Um, But to be honest, I don't know if the MVP of this game was Mahomes. I think Chris Jones was the definitive MVP of this game. Oh, yeah, definitely. The Bengals had no answer on the offensive line. Uh, He lined up in the A-gap, B-gap on the edge. He was just all over Joe Burrow and uh I we need Joe Burrow to have a postseason with an O-line because he's so good but you know it, it's just one of those games you can't survive in the playoffs unless you got a full complete roster and this game you definitely saw the holes um going into there but talking about Chris Jones we'll talk about uh defensive player of the year award uh mm-hmm. down the line of this podcast um I know everyone consensus like consensus is Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons, but I think it's such a three-headed race, and Chris Jones needs to be talked about up there with those two guys. One hundred percent. Every time I saw him lined up on the right side against the offensive line, I was like, "Well, this is either going to be a blown-up play, Burrow gets sacked or pressured." Yeah, the Bengals only gave up four sacks, quote unquote. But the amount of times Burrow had to throw the ball into the ground. I thought that intentional grounding that he got was uh, a, a bit ticky-tack considering Shimaji Piran was four feet in front of the ball, but, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think that it, it was weird because Shimaji Piran was actually running the ball okay, but Joe Mixon could not get anything going. And the, the real pitfall of this Chiefs defense was their rush defense. And I'm curious why they didn't challenge him more because they had Burrow drop back for 41 times. He had 270 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. 
just trying to make something happen. Uh, don't want to let the T. Higgins touchdown go by the wayside because that was an absurd catch that he had. I I was in awe, and I thought at that point, ooh, Bengals might actually might actually win this. And then when the Joe Burrow got the ball back with two minutes ago, I was like, ooh, they might actually get this. But nope, Chris Jones came in. And I get that that's a regular season award, but I think based on the playoffs, especially this game, he is worthy of the title of Defensive Player of the Year. I think I think Mahomes drowns out a lot of the noise around the rest of the Chiefs team, um, which is fair. But I think that he needs to be talked about more because it, it seems like he's perennially underrated because he always – He's always talked about when it comes to the playoffs, but it feels like the regular season he's never talked about as much as Nick Bosa or Aaron Donald. I think he's every bit the player that those guys are. Yeah. I mean, it. I know Patrick Mahomes is the face of the NFL, but it it's so cool because the Chiefs both have a tight end that is marginally better than uh, – I mean, he puts up receiver numbers and way better than any other tight end in the league. And then you go, if Aaron Donald's not healthy, Chris Jones is kind of similar where he is just such a game wrecker that he's putting up edge rusher numbers from the D tackle position. And um, they're definitely way undervalued because everyone just loves Mahomes so much. But um, they're, they're definitely the two of the, the main pieces of the formula to why the Kansas City Chiefs are always in the AFC championship. But to puff Mahomes up a little bit more, when Marquez Valdez Scanling is your number one receiver on the day, um, good for you. He was throwing to Marcus Kemp, who had 24 tackles and I think less than five catches in his career because Miko Hardman came back and then got injured. Kadarius Tony was injured. Juju Smith-Schuster got injured. And then Sky Moore is, well, he hasn't been the best rookie of all time. Uh, they couldn't get the running game going whatsoever. Kind of like the Bengals. Um, look, I, I, everyone wants to say is Burrow, Mahomes, the next Brady Manning. Look, let's be honest. The Brady Manning thing was very lopsided when it came to wins. Manning had the stats, but Brady had the wins. You know, it's 3-1 to one right now, Bengals, Chiefs. Why don't we let this fester a little bit more and maybe it could be its own rivalry instead of having to compare it to the grids because I think without a doubt these are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL I think Mahomes is better obviously um and you know I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl oh yeah um breaking I mean we'll break down the Super Bowl later but yeah I really think we got the two best rosters in the league going in the Super Bowl so it's gonna be really exciting and yeah, you can't speak enough of Mahomes. The just working with, you know, players that on most rosters would probably be a wide receiver three or less. Just you know, finding the open guy, knowing what to do with the ball, and just still having an improv improv game. Uh, it's it's just unworthy what he can do on the field, and definitely really exciting to see. And yeah, I I let's let. Joe Burrow or Josh Allen win a Super Bowl before we even come up with that Brady Manning comparison because those two are probably the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So 
let's let some of these young guys win before we even like put the that sentence in the same breath. Completely agreed. We're all it's all about the comparisons and uh, who's the next guy up. Um, and we'll talk about the MVP, which is it's very much like that. Where we all know Mahomes is the best. It's kind of like the Jordan Lebron MVP in the NBA, where we can't give it to these guys every single year. So we got to find somebody else to give it to them. But realistically, Mahomes, he is the top dog now because Tom Brady retired again. Even though I think I don't think any of us actually believe the first one mainly because Adam Schefter leaked it, whereas this time there was no warning and no leaks. I'd rather imagine Brady's camp told Adam to shut his trap and let Brady uh, announce it on his own. But, man, I'm going to be honest. I was a little sentimental this morning when I got the news because it really feels like, you know, we're both in our mid-20s. Brady was the last remnant of our football childhood. I guess you could throw Aaron Rodgers in that. But, I mean, Rodgers didn't start until, what, 08-09, I think. Yeah, Brady, Brady was it. Yeah, Brady's lasted the uh, whole Favre and Rodgers tenure, which is pretty much our childhood. So, Brady is, yeah, like you said, the probably the last remaining figure. I mean, if you want to talk about basketball, LeBron's probably in there too. But, um, but yeah, he's – Probably in football, the last remaining figure from our childhood. Now it's just, oh, I remember that guy getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. I'm old. I know. Seven years from now, it's going to be, uh, um, you know, it really made me feel old today because I don't remember Brady's rookie year, but I obviously remember the Super Bowl. I remember the Raiders, the uh, the Tuck Rule game, um, obviously Vinatieri pretty much carrying them in the in the first couple playoff runs to be honest i, I don't want to have the goat debate because i think they're all it's all, that that's fluff talk i think if you want to call him the goat like yeah sure he is he's i think he's the winningest quarterback of all time in terms of talent i mean let's face it talent was never like the calling card for brady he just he just knew what play to make at the right time and he never had an amazing supporting cast. I think that was what was most impressive about him. Up until the Bucks, his best receiver was Randy Moss for two years. Uh, they never won a championship with him. And then it was Gronk who was in and out of the lineup every single year. Uh, all respect to Edelman, who I absolutely love, and Wes Welker. But let's face it, those guys were never top seven wide receivers in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brady... I mean, it's kind of like Joe Burrow. He's never the most athletic. I mean, I know Burrow's got above average wheels, but, you know, Brady was never the most athletically gifted person, but he just knew how to play the quarterback position to a T. And, um, you know, he's just the ultimate team guy. He he didn't turn over the ball, was efficient uh, at any aspect in his career. He could turn a bad receiver core into household names. I mean – um, Brady's just so transcendent and um, is I mean I hated the Patriots as a kid but it's it it's sad that I feel like I didn't take for granted or I I took for granted his greatness while I was a kid because I just didn't like the Patriots that much but now I'll make sure not to do that with Mahomes because you never know when you're going to get that next greatest player that's the boat that I'm in and that's why i fully on the Mahomes train. And 
for me, the moment with Mahomes was after his rookie season where he threw for 50 touchdowns his first season. I was like, okay, this guy's it. For me, when it came to, like, when I finally turned around on Brady, and I'll, I'll, albeit it was a little bit of a spite move, it was the Hawks-Patriots Super Bowl because the year prior I was bullied relentlessly. Peyton Manning is my favorite player of all time. So the Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl was, uh, I'll just say it wasn't very fun for me. And I was mocked relentlessly for that. So I basically was a Patriots fan by proxy, even though, you know, growing up as a Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck fan, they were my, like, if they didn't exist, Peyton and Luck would probably have multiple Super Bowls to their name, at least on on their respective team. Um, But, man, I got to say, Granted, Brady didn't, didn't pick the ball, but he did everything in his power to come back and win that game against one of the better defenses that we've ever seen. Probably second only to the Ravens defense of the early 2000s. And then I'd probably put the 2015 Broncos defense up there as well. Uh, that's when I turned around. I was like, you know, I've hated Brady all these years. I thought the Flategate was an absolute joke of a of an allegation, you know, who, God, uh, I thought it was stupid then, it's stupid now, but that's when I turned around, and then it turned to admiration in the Falcons Super Bowl, because when they were down 28 to 3, I still had the thing that, I don't know if they're fully out of this yet, and then it started happening, and the snowball effect came to fruition, I'm like, they're going to win this game, they go into overtime, they're going to win this game, and then after that, I was like, wow, hand up. I'm just going to love this dude until he retires. And like I said, n- nobody in there, nobody believed that he was retiring last year. Uh, it definitely felt forced. Um, I don't think anyone's going to care about how his career actually ended when it's all said and done. Like nobody cared that Peyton sucked in his final year. He walked off with a Super Bowl, and we remember that he's a five-time MVP uh, winner and a two-time Super Bowl champion being the four, you know, Brady I think he's won three MVPs, maybe four. I think it was four. But he's been to two Super or ten Super Bowls, one ten. Uh, he has five Super Bowl MVP awards. Um, I mean, what else can you say? I'm sad. I, honestly, I'm sad. Like it, the last year wasn't good, but I'm, I'm gonna miss him a lot. Oh yeah, uh, he. Like I said, I took him for granted my whole childhood. And I think one – I know you mentioned the Seahawks Super Bowl. One factor that doesn't get mentioned because everyone just talks about the one-yard line is that, you know, the Seahawks were up 24 to 14 in that fourth quarter, and he just mm-hmm. diced them up for to get to 28. And, you know, you can never count out Brady, whatever the score was. The, I know there's always this meme when you see this Brady face on the sideline, you know, your day's <laughs> over and yeah, he, he is just the greatest athlete I think I've ever seen. And um, definitely hope him a great retirement and excited for his hall of fame enshrinement in 2028. Especially given his athletic limitations. I think that was, I think that was well said. Um <laughs> yeah, like I said, our childhood in terms of football is dead. And now most of the NFL players that we root and love are younger than us. 
I don't know if I'm okay with that right now. <sighs> All right. Quickly, we'll run through the coaching hires that happened. Uh, Frank Reich got hired late last week, right after we recorded, because of course. And then D'Amico Ryan's got the job for the Houston Texans. Um, I guess I'll start with the Ryan's hire. Um, I thought it was a good hire. D'Amico Ryan's an amazing D coordinator, but like with Nathaniel Hackett, we just don't know when it comes to coordinators becoming a head coach. Uh, are they going to be able to translate pretty well? Um, obviously, D'Amico played for the Texans, so he has a strong bond there. And I think when it comes to the jobs, the Texans is a pretty nice looking job. They've got multiple first round picks for the next couple of years. They're they were sneaky competitive last year, despite their record being terrible. I like the hire. I'm always a little leery of defensive coordinators becoming head coaches because it's such an offensive driven league now that if your offense is really good, chances are your offensive coordinator is gone the next year. I mean, look at the Bills. I bet they're missing Brian Dable right about now. Um, what what do you think of the Ryan's hire? I think it's a great hire, um, especially if you look at what Lovey Smith did last year. Because um, Lovey Smith's known for that Tampa two defense, and you know they they had such a good young core, and you know they drafted Derek Stingley, and he's just sitting in cover two all day when he was drafted number three overall because he's one of the best man coverage corners that we've seen in college but um I think this Ryan's hire is great for them because um he knows how to put his uh players in positions uh to succeed uh and I mean the Texans even have really good pieces they got Malik Collins and Jerry Hughes that had great production last year um Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie are great young players in the secondary so he has some pieces to work with um, I'm really excited to see how this defense performs with a capable guy this year. Um, they'll definitely – we'll have to see who they hire as the OC or uh, who they – if they even get a quarterback in the draft, um, which is highly likely. But um, it, the, offense, the offensive side of the ball will be a mystery, but I think he, he's going to be a great defensive coach, and uh, Texans got great capital, so I think they're in really good hands, at least as a strong defensive team. But we'll have to see how they – it would be intriguing to see what they do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I echo everything that you said. Now, I guess I'm going to become a sneaky Panthers fan next year. Frank Reich took the job, even though I was really hoping that he would go to either the Bills or the Chargers. But the Bills so far are keeping Ken Dorsey. And then Kellen Moore – was let go from the Cowboys in a mutual decision, went to the Chargers. But we'll talk Reich first. Um, look, I've said it before. I think what the Colts did to the to Frank Reich was, I understand getting the change, but let's be honest. They were one less Carson Wentz meltdown away from going to the playoffs with Carson freaking Wentz. If they had either beat the Raiders or the Jags in 2021, or yeah, they would have made the playoffs because Reich had Andrew Luck for one year, made the playoffs, and Luck retired. They had Jacoby Brissett, and I believe they went seven and nine that year. They had Phillip Rivers on one leg. They went 11 and five and lost to the Bills in the playoffs. And then they had Carson Wentz, and they were, they were basically, they had a make it or break it playoff spot. Uh, at the end of the 2021 season. And then they had Matt Ryan and everything kind of fell apart. But 
I think he's a really good coach. Um, Carolina's obviously in a rebuild. They have a really young defense. But, again, biggest question for Reich is quarterback position. Uh, I don't think I don't think Darnold is going to be the guy. Uh, I, hope, well, I hope not. But I'm looking forward to Frank being the head coach. Oh yeah, I am too. And uh, I th- I actually think the Panthers are going to be a dark horse NFC team next year, um, a- as long as they can f- figure out that quarterback position, which I know Reich will. Definitely, they'll probably trade up in the draft and get the guy that Reich really wants because the Panthers already have a really good offensive line that's definitely slept on on the league. They they have two franchise tackles. Um, they drafted Akeem Aquanu, who's been who had a great rookie year, and he's only going to get better with that athleticism and size that he has. So um, they have one of the best guards in the league in Austin Corbett. Um, they maybe just have one hole at left guard, but you know they got a great O line. They got a good running game because of that. Um, Dante Foreman and uh, Chuba Hubbard are definitely no slouches at the running back position. I think a rookie quarterback with Frank Reich in this system is going to look really good, and I think they're really just like a maybe a DeAndre Hopkins trade or. Um, just an, another receiver aside from DJ Moore away from being a very elite offense. And like you mentioned, they're, they got one of the best young cores on defense in the league that, um, that was really good at the end of the year last year that pulled out a couple of wins for them. So I think it's definitely an exciting time in Carolina and I'm happy for Frank Reich and finally gets out of that Colts organization. And he, I think he really has some slept on pieces to make a run in the NFC next year, especially with, how the NFC South is going to look. Exactly. I was just about to say that with Brady gone now, is there any team that you feel confident in to win the NFC South? I get the Falcons. They started off, I don't want to say they started off hot last year. They were better than expectations and then fell to the norm. The Saints are in cap hell. Um, Who knows if Michael Thomas ever comes back. I love me some Chris Olave, but, they're just – they're in a really weird – they're, like, in that weird purgatory place that you do not want to be as an NFL team. You either want to be so bad for multiple years that you just stack up first overall picks like the Jags or be one of the high-end teams at the back of the draft. Like, being in that, like, 13 to 18 pick is horrible, and that's where the Saints are right now. And thankfully, they didn't get a first-round pick for this year, but it's still going to be a high draft pick because it's the Niners pick. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Panthers are my early pick to win the NFC South. I don't feel confident about any – and the Bucs. Kyle Trask is the only quarterback on their team right now. I mean, maybe Garoppolo goes there. Who knows? Um, Yeah, the Panthers are picking nine right now, so I I expect them to move up from that. Because you got to think the Texans are probably looking at a quarterback. The Bears are most likely going to trade back, and someone will take a quarterback from them. Uh, the Colts are probably going to take a quarterback. The Hawks, sneaky, might take a quarterback, but I think we both agree that Geno is totally fine for the team that they're building right now. So mm-hmm. I think it's in the Panthers' best interest to move up. But that leads us to the last quarter or coach that was traded for and then hired. Sean Payton going to Denver to try and rescue Russell Wilson. 
the compensation is a first round pick this year. Again, it's the Dolphins pick that they got from the Niners that is now owned by the Saints. And then a second round pick in 2024. And I think the Broncos get a third round pick back this year. No idea how much Payton's getting paid. I imagine it's probably a lot. How do you feel about Payton going to Denver? Oh, I, I don't know if Payton's like that good of a fit with Russell Wilson because, you know, Joe Lombardi, the old offensive coordinator of the Chargers, was a uh, Sean Payton disciple. So, you know, Sean Payton's offense is geared around the short passing game, running all these slants and check downs in the backfield, the um, get safeties down and to play in the box and then take the deep shot from there. And, you know, I just don't know if that fits Russ's playing style just because he doesn't really throw the ball over the middle of the field all that well. With Russ, the way you win is having a great running game and then getting people to play in the box, take those deep shots and have that outside passing game. So, We'll have to see if Sean Payton could and Russell Wilson could get on the same page, but based on what I've seen his offense run with Drew Brees, I I I don't know if it's like a match made in heaven out in Denver. Yeah, everyone always likes to compare Russ to Drew Brees because they're both the same size, but they're very different quarterbacks. Russ always loved to have a play break. It's almost like he preferred to call a play have that play break down and then try and improv something. And I don't think Peyton's going to love that. Um, yeah, I get that they, that Denver probably had to do this because this hiring cycle has been very weird so far. Uh, I haven't loved most of the candidates that are being thrown out there. It's been a lot of defensive guys, which I think was not the solution for the Broncos. I think they had to make this splash play, a last-ditch effort to try and salvage the Russ trade. And, I mean, I'll say this. Russ, after Hackett got fired, I thought Russ actually played pretty well towards the end of the season. Better. He threw less than 16 touchdowns on the year in a 17-game season. You can't you can't really do that in this day, especially with the players that he had. Jerry Judy and Corbin Sutton will make a great one-two punch on any team. I, I, I'm i with you. I, I don't know if this is what the Broncos should have done, but I think it's what they needed to do to show that, like, hey, we're trying to do everything we can to make this work with Russ. But, yeah. Yeah, it's what you got to do with all the capital you gave up for us. But, you know, um, we'll, we'll see. If Sean Payne's a good coach and – knows how to uh, utilize his players to the best of his abilities, he'll definitely be on the test this year. And like you said, Russ definitely did step up his play in the um, last couple weeks of the season. So uh, I'll be impressed if they'll be able to salvage that whole situation. Yeah, and then all that's left are the Cardinals and the Colts picks, or um, Colts spots, which I don't know if – would you want either one of those jobs? I wouldn't. No. Um, Colts, I think, are just so poorly run by Jim Mersey because he I, – I, I think you've kind of touched on it. He's he's just lucky that he's had Manning and Luck in his back corner and have absolutely carried that franchise um, forever. And then the Cardinals, 
you know, it's a roster depleted of talent. You just gave Kyler Murray a giant contract, and he has yet to prove he can play a full season at an elite level. And now he's I, injured, and he won't be back till midseason. Yep, exactly. I think that job's just ugly because I it it's going to be a long rebuild for the Cardinals. I think with the talent level they have and the contracts that they've given out. I think the only thing that works in the Colts' favor is that there's still talent on the roster, and they have the fourth overall pick. I hope they hire Jeff Saturday because I think that would be absolutely hilarious. I I wouldn't mind eating crow on that and being wrong because you know, I take the hell mary shot if it works, cool, but. Pfft. Someone whose least favorite team is the Indianapolis Colts. I would absolutely love to see Jeff Saturday get hired, which, you know, I got to say, I love Jeff Saturday as a player. One of the best centers I've ever seen play. I really hate the fact that Jim Irsay made me hate Jeff Saturday because of what they did with Reich. Chris Ballard should not have gone off the hook the way that he did and was pretty much absolved of any blame for what happened with the Colts the last five seasons. Absolutely ridiculous. I think the only blunder that you could have pinned on Reich was the fact that the teams always seem to start slow. I think they were usually like one and five or two and four to start the season. And then I think he campaigned for Carson Wentz to be there. Aside from that, Reich did everything in his power to have these teams be competitive and Ugh, talked way too much about the Colts. I hate that team. All right. Yeah, and, and the Cardinals, I don't really have much to add on. I think it's probably the worst because you don't have a quarterback. You don't have great pieces surrounding your quarterback. And your pick isn't great either. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a stopgap coach this year. Kind of like what they did with Steve Wilkes a few years ago. <laughs> Maybe they rehire Steve Wilkes. Who knows? But I, I feel for anyone who takes that job because it's, I mean, it's a head coaching job. So get the money and hopefully you're able to stick, but if not get that big payday for one year and then go back to being a, a coordinator somewhere. Oh yeah. You hit the hammer on the nail there. All right. Let's switch gears. Last thing we'll do for the pod this week. And then next week, big Super Bowl preview. We'll do some fun stuff. I think we can do a draft of our best school well, props, stuff that we'll be eyeing on, obviously talk about the game itself. And then, I don't know, I haven't decided. We can do something fun to recap the year. Uh, I think that'd be fun. But the last thing we're going to do today is run through the NFL honors, and we'll we'll do our picks for who we think is going to win and then who we think we should win. So let's start at the top with MVP. Now, I know this is hard, Luke, mm-hmm. but who do yeah, you got I, winning? I got Patrick Mahomes winning. Shocker, what? shocker. No. You mean to tell me after all the hard work Micah Parsons did for this year, he's not going to win MVP? Unfortunately, that's what I'm telling you right now. It's a hot take. Damn. Yeah, uh, it's the easiest one off the board. You it's probably like minus 10,000 now, if I had to guess what the odds were. I don't really have anything else to say. Like I said during the recap of the chiefs Bengals game, Mahomes should be in the MVP discussion every year. I think the only year, funnily enough, that he wasn't worthy of being the MVP was the Super Bowl year that they won because he missed a couple games and he his stats weren't there. 
I believe that was the Lamar. Yeah, that had to have been the Lamar MVP year. So obviously he wouldn't have won that. But uh, the other guys on the ballot, Justin Jefferson, I think you can make an argument because without him, the Vikings would probably have – well, they wouldn't have the Bills win for sure. And then you could probably take another four or five games off. Then you had Josh Allen, who if it was seven weeks into the season, would have been MVP. I think Burrow, given how he was able to rally the team after an 0-2 start, not to mention even how bad – I mean, he had four picks and a fumble in the first game and then another two picks in the second game. The fact that he was able to finish as strong as he did and played really well in the playoffs and then just got beaten by Chris Jones in the entire AFC Championship – I'm not going to put him over Mahomes, but I think he'd be second on my list. And then Hurts, obviously getting injured at the end of the year, prevented him from winning it. But I, right or wrong, I think if Hurts stayed healthy, he probably would have won it. Do you, do you think that? Yeah, I, I definitely do think that. Because, I mean, obviously Mahomes just shattered everyone in terms of passing stats. But Jalen Hurts was – such a key factor to the Eagles being such a well-oiled machine this year on offense because he was both elite passing the ball and running the ball. And I think he would have had a good chance, but, you know, overall you could put a lot of different quarterbacks behind that Eagles O-line and they'll perform. So I, I definitely, in terms of the word valuable, Mahomes should definitely get it. But I think Hurts, I think everyone is – almost tired of Mahomes' greatness that they would want a different candidate that isn't Mahomes. So they, it's the, it, it's, yeah, it's the Jordan-LeBron effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, I don't have anything really else to add. It, it should have been Mahomes. Um, even if Hurts played the full season, I sort of cast my ballot for Mahomes. But, you know, I guess it's weird to say that Mahomes got lucky. Hertz was injured the last couple games of the season, but he should have won it going away as it is. So that one's pretty easy. Okay, this is weird. So for defensive player of the year, there's only three candidates. It's Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, and Micah Parsons. I'm shocked Aaron Donald didn't make it on this list by defecting for eight games. Um, that was sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> I was saying that because Aaron Jones or Aaron Donald somehow made the Pro Bowl, despite the fact that he only played, again, eight games. Um, I don't have any problem Nick, with Nick Bosa winning it. He's every bit deserving of it, but like I said, I know it's a regular season award, but even in the regular season, I think you you have your work cut out for you to say that Chris Jones isn't the defensive player of the year. So, let's see. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think I'd give my vote to Chris Jones. Yeah, it, this one's definitely a hard award for me because you could look at all these players and they're all so deserving. And I mean, Nick Bosa led the league in. Oh, well, I I don't know if he led the league in sacks. Might have been Hassan Reddick. Um, but you know he's up there at twenty sacks. Um, he's the face of the best defense in the NFL. Um, some of the highest pressure rates in the league. And then you could also argue Micah because he did lead the NFL in pressures, but it's also the fact that he's he's not only rushing you from the edge, he's coming in from an off-ball linebacker position. You just 
he, he could just cause terror from wherever he lines up. And then Chris Jones, I mean, the fact that he's putting up the stats he does, um, the pressure rates he does from playing predominantly in the A and B gap, just like Aaron Donald is so it's unworldly like that is some insane stuff that um, makes you such a key asset to a Super Bowl team or um, just really good teams that could rush the passer from in the inside the pocket um, but yeah if I, if I were to give it out I think I'm just gonna go with Nick Bosa just because he had the sack numbers and the fact that he was the face of the best defense in the NFL this year I think it's a good way to um, award that whole defense for how elite they were all over the place. Yeah, and again, you're not getting any argument out of me. I mean, if you wanted to vote for P- Micah Parsons, you know, go right at him. He's the face of the Dallas defense that was probably the better part of the Dallas team. I, they they fell off towards the end of the year, which I think hurt Micah because, again, like with Josh Allen, seven weeks into the season, you would have said it's Micah Parsons going away. But I think one person that I want to highlight is TJ Watt because when he was on the field, the Steelers defense was great. When he was off the field, they were unrecognizable without him. So I would have put him, and I don't know why there was only three players for defensive player of the year. I guess maybe they didn't think there was any other players worthy, but I think TJ Watt deserved to be on this list as well. As, uh, as well with Hassan Reddick for kind of what we were saying. He's the, he was, wasn't necessarily the face of the Eagles defense, but he, I think he was their best player on one of the most prolific defenses in NFL history. Yeah, they got Hassan Reddick for a steal of a deal. He's, I don't even know if he's up there for highest paid pass rushers after signing that contract, but the Eagles are banking off of that guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're – I think – Nick Bosa, he's going to win it going away, most likely. They they did change the voting for the first time this year. They're going with the baseball-type voting where you play – where you have uh, – you, you rank the votes. So one through five is your players. I guess this is only one through three of guys to pick. So I'll be curious to see how, how it goes. And again, I won't be shocked if Chris Jones or Parsons win it. Parsons has the Cowboys draw and the fact that he's a fantastic player. And Chris Jones, if this was getting voted on after the season ended, he probably would win it, if I had to guess. Yeah, he he was a game wrecker against the Bengals and totally won him that game, I'd say. So I, I think if you, if you include postseason, I think Chris Jones might have won it. I'm with you there. All right. The AP Offensive Player of the Year, we have Tyreek Hill. Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes is off this list because I don't – I can't recall if there was ever a player that won MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year. So I think my my gut is telling me that Hurts is going to win it because he got injured at the end of the year and therefore is not going to win the MVP. But I feel like Justin Jefferson should win this. How do you see it? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Justin Jefferson should win because you take him off the Vikings and that team is <laughs> – I it, I mean, they'll still move the ball because they have Dalvin Cook and um, a, a pretty good offensive line, at least in terms of run blocking. But, I mean, that guy almost 
got 2,000 yards this year. It's his third year. Um, he, I, I wonder how good Kirk Cousins would look if he didn't have Justin Jefferson. I, I just think he's by far like the best offensive player that's not a quarterback in, in the NFL. And I'm with you. Yeah, I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, Tyreek Hill. I think he would have been a lot better to what could hit him in stride more often. But I think what Hill was able to do going from the Chiefs to the Dolphins was every bit remarkable, and he's worthy of being on this list. Although I bet he wishes he was still on the Chiefs. I don't know how I don't know how it's going for him down there. <laughs> All right. Offensive Rookie of the Year. So we have Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker, and Garrett Wilson. Brock Purdy should not be on this list over Chris Olave or Brees Hall. Or Brees Hall should be on this list if Brock Purdy's on this list. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, Brock Purdy only played, what, six games in the regular season? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that. Yeah, it, I mean, an add-on, when you really watch Brock Purdy's film, he's really just benefiting – off of Shanahan scheming guys wide open and just having elite playmakers all over the place. So I think it'd be a disgrace if he even like was close to winning this award. He should be consistently number three on every pamphlet. If he, if he somehow wins this, I had nothing against Brock, uh, yeah, Brock Purdy. I think he's a great story, but the fact that, First of all, Garrett Wilson versus Chris Olave is an argument that I would like to have because Chris Olave on 15 games posted near identical stats to Garrett Wilson. I'm not trying to disparage Garrett Wilson, but Chris Olave being on the Saints where he was routinely the only guy to do anything of note because Alvin Kamara looked like he was running in mud at times. Uh, Michael Thomas was never on the field. Uh, He had nobody else around him. Uh, Chris Olave in 15 games had 1,042 yards, four touchdowns, 72 receptions on 119 targets. Garrett Wilson had 147 targets, 83 receptions, 1,100 yards, and four touchdowns. How is Chris Olave not in consideration for rookie of the year? Yeah, it, I, I can tell you, I really thought it was really going to be Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Kenneth Walker. And that, that you can make your arguments for each one even then. I don't know why Brock Purdy made it over Olave. And then to compound the Brock Purdy discussion, Brees Hall in, I believe he only played seven games on the season. He had 80 attempts for 463 yards, averaging 5.8 yards carry had four rushing touchdowns and then 218 receiving yards on only 19 receptions. And he had a touchdown uh, receiving. He should have been on this list if you're going to put Brock Purdy on there. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he's so elite. and oh, The Jets would have definitely made the playoffs if Brees Hall was healthy the whole year. He was so explosive and just had a different gear compared to anyone on the field. So... It'll be exciting to watch him in the future. 1,000%. 1,000%. So, yeah, I, I guess my vote between these three, uh, 
Like, I thought Kenneth Walker was really good, but even he didn't play. I mean, he was behind Rashad Penny for a bit of the season. Would you – is your vote for Kenneth Walker then? Yeah, I, I'm voting for Kenneth Walker on this one. I mean, stats-wise, I mean, if you compare him to – I mean, I, I can't think of a lot of his numbers, but he had more all-purpose yards than Garrett Wilson. Um, he had more than double the touchdowns at nine than Garrett Wilson. Um, he – I mean, and people bring up the argument that, oh, Garrett Wilson was doing what he did with three quarterbacks that, you know, aren't really good, which is impressive as itself. But my argument with Kenneth Walker is that the Seahawks before the season were um, – they, they were rated everywhere as the worst offensive line in the league. So are we going to also talk about how Kenneth Walker beat those expectations, only played – he missed five games, put up better stats. And I think with this award, you could also – um, you know, it, we had two rookie tackles this year in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas that were a big part of why our offensive line wasn't that bad this year. So I think by giving Kenneth Walker the award, you're kind of awarding all three of those Seahawks rookies that played such a big part this year um, with the team. Uh, but not to take anything away from Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, they're studs. I just think what Kenneth Walker's body of work showed this year is way more impressive than those two. Yeah, you know, he had over a thousand rushing yards on two hundred and twenty-five attempts. He had nine rushing touchdowns, and then another twenty-seven receptions for one hundred and sixty-five receiving yards. I'm with you. I think he should be the rookie of the year because, like you said, they were projected by basically everyone. It, Unless you're a Seahawks fan, I don't believe you if you said that, oh, I thought the Seahawks were going to be good before the season started. I know I wasn't saying that, so I won't say that I thought they were going to be good. Um, it should be him. Again, all respect to Garrett Wilson, but Garrett Wilson made the list when Chris Olave didn't. I thought that was a little weird. And Brock Purdy, come on, get out of here. <laughs> all right, we've got four more. So, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner, Aiden Hutchinson, and Tariq Woolen. Surprisingly, I didn't think they'd have a Seahawks rookie on here, but they should have. And I'm glad to see what they are. But it's going to be Sauce Gardner. I don't yeah. know anyone else that will vote for someone else in first place. Oh, yeah. I I love Tariq Woolen. He's going to be – he has such a bright football with Seattle, and he's going to be one of the best corners in our league, but – Sauce Gardner is, you know, I look back to like Darrell Revis and Jalen Ramsey, and he might be a better lockdown corner than those two just coming into the league with that size, that technique. Um, I know a lot of Seahawks fans are arguing that, oh, Tariq Woolen tied the league in interceptions and all that, but you could put Sauce on anyone in the league and it'll shut them down. And um, I, I value how sticky and how good people are at covering and shutting down receivers and interceptions and overblown stats like that. So I'm, I'm totally with um, sauce Gardner and shout out to Aiden Hutchinson. Cause he definitely put Detroit's defense on the map and changed uh, totally changed the trajectory of that franchise and was, should have been the number one overall pick honestly this year. Yeah, I don't have anything to say against it. His, his overall stats aren't mind blowing, but I think you got to look at what he gave up while being targeted. And 
it's not very good for the opposing quarterback. So I think that one's pretty easy. And yeah, I think what works against Aiden Hutchinson is the fact that the Lions defense as a whole wasn't very good for most of the season. They came on towards the end, but it still wasn't they just they didn't pop and Sauce Gardner was I mean plays in New York. All right. Mm-hmm. Comeback player of the year. This is a very interesting list because we have two guys who are coming back from injury and then another one just coming from irrelevancy. We got Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, and Geno Smith. I don't know if I uh, Geno can't be. I, I get that they do this from time to time where it's a guy just sucking the year before and then playing great the next year, but that's that shouldn't be what the comeback player of the year award is. It, it, I, I think Travis Etienne should have been on this before he was. Like I, I love Geno, but I don't think he should be a comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's the thing with comeback player of the year. Because if it's like most improved player, then it'd definitely be Geno. But hundred percent, I, I don't know what Geno is really coming back from. I mean, not playing good on the Jets because <laughs> I, I feel like the awards for someone that you know is injured or is like you know has like resurrected or come back from retirement like Jordan or something but yeah I I, I think Gino's probably going to end up winning it just because of the story but I, I don't think I winning think you're right. technically come back no I'm with you I think Gino probably wins it but of these three I'd probably go Saquon because he played less than McCaffrey did last year because I believe if memory serves McCaffrey played for the first four or five games and then got injured and then he came back for two games and then got injured again. I think with Saquon, because he came back from the ACL tear the year prior, but then he had that really nasty, looked like an ankle sprain. I think it turned into a high ankle sprain. So my vote would probably be for Saquon. Yeah, I I vote for Saquon too. And plus, the Giants' offensive line isn't that good, and it was just so cool seeing Saquon. I mean, even McCaffrey too, because it's been a while since we've seen them both play at such an elite level. So it was really exciting to see him come back from that. And if I were to choose one, I'd choose Saquon, mostly because of you know Giants. Kind of like Kenneth Walker didn't have much expectations going into the year, and he absolutely balled out and carried that offense. So I'm definitely going to give it to Saquon. I, I agree. And by these metrics, Trevor Lawrence should be on this list too, if we're being honest. Oh, yeah, definitely. If Gino's on it, then Trevor Lawrence should be on it. Yeah, mark my words. If Peyton turns the Broncos around, Russell will be on this list. Mark my words. But we'll, oh, yeah. we'll, he will be coming back from being terrible the year prior. <laughs> All right. This is the one that I think will be – I think the winner is easy, but I think it's the easiest one that um, I think is going to be wrong. So coach of the year, you've got Brian Dable, Sean McDermott. don't know how he's on the list. Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan, and Nick Sirianni. I would rank it. I put Shanahan first. You had three starting quarterbacks, and you somehow managed to get the second seed and make it to the NFC Championship game. And – you're always going to have people say that, well, if Purdy or Josh Johnson stayed healthy, they could have won that game. And, you know, I wouldn't disagree with them. 
So I put Shanahan at first. I put Dable at second just because the Giants were completely bereft of any talent and they made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. And then I put Nick Sirianni on the Eagles because kind of like what we were talking about with Hurts, that team was just so stacked that you need to have a guy who could just keep them, keep everything steady and not muck it up. And then I'd go Peterson fourth and McDermott fifth. I have two snubs right off the bat. McDermott, I would not have put on this list because I've never thought he was an amazing coach. Uh, Zach Taylor and Andy Reid should have been on this list. Yeah. I mean, I think the coach of the year award's interesting because I feel like if we're actually awarding the best coach consistently, you just have Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan on it every year, and it'd just be them competing for who's the better coach that year. Um, but I, I think an interesting spin on the award was would just be to, like, elect the person that, you know, flipped the franchise that was devoid of talent and totally beat expectations. So if that's the sense, I feel like your candidate should be Brian Dable, Pete Carroll, um, Dan Campbell, and maybe Mike Tomlin too, because I, I don't think many people had expectations for the Steelers coming coming in this year. Um, but I mean, I, I, I think even with Shanahan included in the list, I think I'm just going to give it to Dable just because what he did to a Giants franchise devoid of talent is just so impressive. And he just proved that he, he could take a team, know their strengths and weaknesses and put them into positions to win. And I think that's the trait that the ultimate coach has. Cause you know, Shanahan, if I, I, I want to see Shanahan kind of like the pass where if he doesn't have all these studs all over the place, if his team could still produce how Dable is able to produce with the giants. So I, I would definitely put Dable at first, in in my opinion. That's fair. And I, I think Dable is going to win it, and I won't have any issue with him winning it. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. It, it, it's a lot like the MVP award that it's not necessarily the best coach. It's, like, the most improved. Like, Lamar won the MVP because the prior year he wasn't very good, and then he exploded with an amazing – threw for 35 touchdowns and had – double-digit rushing touchdowns and all that. He broke the single-season rushing record. Um, same thing with Mahomes. He just burst onto the scene with 50 touchdowns. Um, gosh, and then, I mean, Carson Wentz would have won it if he didn't tear his ACL that year. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with the coach because for 17-ish years in a row, it should have been Belichick and then everyone else. So you almost wonder if they just, like, I was like, all right, we're going to give Belichick this award, and then we'll let the other guys uh, fight over this award. Because I think given the fact that the Chiefs traded their – I mean, depending on how you want to cut it, their best or second best offensive player, and they got better despite the fact that they had a trauma award when it came to receivers because nobody could stay healthy. And I, I, and I want to discount Travis Kelsey because I think he's – at minimum, the third best tight end of all time. Some people say he's the best tight end of all time. You'll have no argument from me, but Andy Reid should have been on this list for sure. Uh, Mahomes is the MVP. Reid has every right to to claim that he's 
the best coach in the NFL. And the fact that he wasn't on this list, but McDermott was, I think was kind of crazy. Yeah, now that I think of it, they honestly should have just had the pool of coaches a lot bigger because I just think there's so many good coaches that should get the recognition as being the coach of the year. So I think it'd be cool if we had a big pool and then we'd just have, you know, the whole – I'm not sure who votes for it, NFL insiders, but um, see their rankings at the end of it. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this one most of all to see how the voting goes because it's like I said, it's like the baseball and I believe the NBA voting where you rank these guys one through five and depending on who gets the most first place votes, that's who wins it. If Sean McDermott wins it, uh, yikes! I actually, you know, now that I think about it, given what happened with Demar Hamlin, I will not be shocked if McDermott wins this because that happened right at the end of the year. And um, that's when these things are voted on. So do not be shocked if McDermott comes out and wins this award, um, given what was going on with the Bills. And I, I did think that he handled that situation as best as he could. But when it comes to on the field, we talked about it after the Bills lost. I have not been that impressed with him as a head coach. I think that they have a alien at quarterback. And then, I mean, at least last year, and this year before they got injured, they had really good talent on the teams. With uh, last year's OC was Dave All was way better, but I don't know. I'm not going to say the wheel is going to fall off of Buffalo next year, but do not be shocked if, say, the Jets trade for Aaron Rodgers and they win the AFC East. So I would probably put him at fifth. And I don't want to discount Sirianni because they were routinely the best team in football, but I don't know. I I think that given the talent that the Eagles had, I think it was far and away the best in the football when it was all told, you know, offensive line, defensive line, secondary receiving core. Um, I think the only place where they weren't amazing was the running back core. But when you add Hertz's rushing ability, that makes the running game all the better. Um, so I don't want to discount him, but Doug Peterson turning that franchise around after Urban Meyer. Uh, props to him. I'm happy for Doug. I'm happy for the Jags. But uh, I'm with you. It's Dayball's thing to lose. Uh, did, aside from Pete Carroll, did you have any other coaches you wanted to highlight from this year? Yeah, I totally forgot about Doug Peterson. Um, he's another candidate that took a team with not a lot of expectations to the top. And the Jaguars are now by far going to be favorite to win the AFC South. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to him. And then also Dan Campbell. That I mean, he started the year, what, one and six? You know, everyone's considering if he might get fired soon. And I think that whole team just bought into his culture and totally turned it around. And I think that team is going to be the team you don't want to run into in the NFC North next year. I'm with you. Because, yeah, everyone was calling for his head – midway through the season. Fortunately, I was on his side because I think he's – I love the rah-rah guys in the NFL, and he's – I mean, he's one-on-one. He is is the alpha coach. He's the one coach where all the coaches were fighting each other on picking Campbell to win, for sure. Uh, The last award that we had was assistant coach of the year. We had Ben Johnson from the Lions, D'Amico Ryans from the 49ers, and Shane Steichen from the Eagles. 
Uh, he's the offensive corner for the Eagles. I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know they did assistant coach of the year. I guess I'd give it to D'Amico Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably go D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, do you have a dog in this race at all? <laughs> um, yeah, I I honestly didn't even know assistant coach of the year was an award until I was scrolling through them online earlier today. But um, I, I would definitely go with D'Amico Ryan's just because, you know, Shanahan's the offensive mind of that team. But 49ers – far and away had the best defense in the league this year and you know he 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 took unfamiliar players like Hufunga or uh uh you know people on the outside like Lenoir just random guys like Drake Jackson from the draft he he just puts players in a position best position to succeed and uh and yeah gets he gets in the play of fire so I'd go D'Amico Ryan's yeah, I think that's a pretty easy one to get. But that's the NFL honors. Love it or hate it. It's the night before the Super Bowl. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think next week, like I said, we'll do the full Super Bowl preview. We'll talk some props that you can bet on if you're you know, in a, living in a fun state where you're actually allowed to bet on the games. And then, I don't know. Maybe we can do like a top 10 quarterback list to try and round out the year. And then we can talk a little bit about free agency and all that before that push starts in the middle of March. But I think with that being said, season's almost over. Don't cry that it's over. Just smile that it happened. And then we'll talk to you guys all next week. Bye for now.